Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Divided Films, the podcast where we talk about movies that audiences and critics do not agree on. My name is JJ, and with me, as per usual, is my co-host, Keith. Hello! And uh, today we are... We're going to go back to a more recent film. Keith and I, we've been talking about some some older movies lately. We, we kind of dove into the 80s there for a couple weeks. But, uh, you know, with the Oscars approaching, we figured... You know, we should maybe um, see which of those movies, if any, are divided. And sure enough, there's at least one, at least the first one that I thought would be divided. And that's the movie we're talking about today, which is Don't Look Up, directed by Adam McKay and starring an ensemble cast that includes Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Meryl Streep, Jennifer Lawrence, and the critics' consensus... Or sorry, I should say, too, that this movie falls into the category of having a negative score with critics and a positive score with audiences. So on Rotten Tomatoes, only 55% of critics approved, uh, but 78% of audiences approved. Uh, and the critics' consensus, Don't Look Up aims too high for its scattershot barbs to consistently land, but Adam McKay's star-studded satire hits its target of collective denial square on. Now... Uh, There's also an audience consensus, which reads, Although it can be heavy-handed with its messaging, Don't Look Up tackles important subjects with humor and heart. Uh, Off the bat, I definitely agree more with the critics' consensus than the audience consensus. I don't know how much heart this movie has. At least maybe at the end, there's a little more sentiment. Um, The only thing really with audience consensus I, I initially... I'm going to is heavy-handed this is uh yeah this is a satire and ever since uh the big shorts you know adam mckay has gone from wacky comedies with will ferrell to now more of these satires that are more elevated in different kinds of ways yeah they're a little more prestige you know he's definitely tackling uh like he's definitely going for more nuance ever since the big short and i think this movie is kind of the epitome of that you know he's got like this big star studded cast with a bunch of oscar winners he is really tackling big issues here and trying to make a statement about who we are in this state of social media politics culture and it's it kind of a hit and miss movie for me because i do think it's on point what he's saying about who we are in this film, but I kind of already knew that. What he's saying in this movie is what I already knew, is what I'll start off with. There's nothing really, I'm not really getting a fresh perspective here, Uh, but what about you, Keith? Um, What was your initial reaction to Don't Look Up? It's kind of amazing that this movie is longer than 2001 Space Odyssey. Uh, It's a satire and uh, it's longer than that <laughs> a movie that some consider. Yeah, it's considered. It, it's like an epic satire. Um, I we talked about Adam McKay before, and yeah, you're right. I, lo- I I can go back to his goofy comedies. I many times, and I he's kind of making like high 
octane documentaries like i think with like he puts his own spin on it like the big short i think he made it so visually interesting and a creative way to tell it that i think he deserved the best adapted screenplay for making a, a story about that and this i think he tries to have the best of both worlds with this like trying to make a trying to make a high and satire while also trying to have its goofy elements too uh i didn't i was kind of even more so with the critics or even like extending beyond it kind of reminded me of like an snl sketch that went a little two two and a half hours long and you know when you recommended it i said to, when i finished it i said to myself i really don't see myself watching this again i agree i think this was a one-time viewing personally i'm not one to go back to apocalyptic movies very often unless they are so zany like armageddon but something like this or going way back to say like deep impact i i personally don't enjoy watching the world end. i find it to be very stressful and sad even if it is played in an absurd satirical way and i do think there is some intended anxiety meant to be elicited in this movie especially with jennifer lawrence's diet app countdown and the botched attempts to exploit or stop the meteor or comet that's heading towards earth i i do think that i was feeling a lot of things that was intended but i i feel like in terms of the the satire it's very predictable and it's something that almost anyone could think to say or depict about how we as a self-absorbed culture and an apathetic culture a cynical culture would respond to a world-ending event you know denial conspiracy theory political divide uh you know capitalist opportunity and ultimate just demise <laughs> and uh you know sure that's that's all believable but i just wish there was uh a little more of a fresh take on it well it definitely needed more drafts i i i think it uh like there are times that the, during watching this going uh like that could be cut that could, like Ari, i no no offense to ariana grande but her scene in the beginning was funny and then when i said when she was singing i was like w why yeah i guess that was supposed to be kind of funny because she's basically singing about how everyone's about to die right i mean i kind of saw the intent behind that sequence when she's at the concert and everyone is really into it as if it's any other concert but she's literally singing like we're all about to die this is the end it's going to be horrible like it i i kind of got the irony there but no it wasn't I, really I, I necessary get i get that it's just like they sing the whole song and um yeah yeah like, it went on too long that could have been a snippet a, like if you like he's trying to tackle so many uh Inst how many institutions would go at it like how one and you have the entertainment side you have government you have tech and then you have media and he's trying to do so much and then you're throwing even more on it i heard matthew perry was cut from this movie i'm like what was matthew perry gonna do in this movie if you have a tucker carlson you have a tucker carlson character and michael chiklis and michael chiklis only got like less than 30 seconds of screen time i'm like you could do something with that 
I kind of want to yeah. see more of that. I, I get that too, because you see a little bit of the conservative pundits who are being just straight up dicks about the whole thing. But yeah, it was that was a bit underexplored, and we spent maybe a little too much time with the Tyler Perry and Kate Blanchett news anchors, the Daily Rip, I think their show was called. And I kept thinking, like, why does he keep going back on this one show? I, I would maybe expect him to go on like the late night circuits, go on other news shows, the maybe the morning show circuit. You know what I mean? Like maybe explore yeah. all those different aspects about how they would how all those different genres would mishandle talking about how it's the end of the world. That would be a little more interesting, but he keeps going back to this one show and I find that to be a little tiring and repetitive. Yeah, like I remember reading the the brief synopsis when this film got announced and it was like two scientists go on a media tour to try to learn uh to try to tell the world that an astronaut a meteor is going to hit and i was like yeah they only go to they don't really go on a media tour like they they but and when the plot actually like gets going like when they started the don't look up campaign i paused it and there was still like an hour left and i said and I didn't care. Exactly. We were an hour 40 at that point. And I even forgot that was even the title of the movie, Don't Look Up. It's like, oh, okay, that's that's the social campaign of it all. But at that point, I was kind of thinking we were going to go into the end. I'm like, oh, no, wait, this is like a whole other chapter of this very long saga. And, you know, I, I'm like, let's just get on with it at that point. It was, um, I think they had already established all the points they were trying to make at that point. But now we're going to go on a little longer with these campaigns. Uh, and it's and amazing. Have... It's amazing that, like, uh, uh, like he's done really good satire before with, mul like, The Big Short has four stories going on. I don't yes. know why, like, I, like I, Leo's great. Jennifer Lawrence, they're all great. And I, I actually kind of got annoyed by Meryl Streep and Jonah Hill. Like I, me too. I it, it got straw manny for me. It got like too cartoony to be satirical. But you could have split this story up into, like maybe Leo was like sharing the lead with other, like maybe a reporter could have been been the uh, main character. Maybe a, a congresswoman or something. Like it's like we could have had four leads from different aspects of society all trying to do their own thing. Right, that's a good point, because the big short is structured that way where you have four loosely connected stories that all revolve around the same event, but a lot of those characters never even interact with each other. You're seeing just different um, different groups of people handling the situation in their own way. Here, yeah, that would have been interesting to see that. You have the political world, you have the scientific world, you have the media world, but you know, maybe they are only interacting here and there. Like Jonah Hill and Meryl Streep, they they deliver what is expected of them. You know, Jonah Hill playing another obnoxious jackass character, delivering the same kind of lines. And they were on too many times. They just kept doing the same shtick over and over again. It's like, right, I get it. I get that they're the problem. And they delivered the same joke over and over again about how he's the son. He's the chief of staff, but also the son of the president, which I thought was a joke at first. Like they just kidded around, but it's like, no, no, no. He actually is the son of the president and the chief of staff, which is 
kind of weird. I know it's a satire, but even in this heightened world, I'm like, that I don't think would happen. She even, as a president, she was like insane. She also was appointing uh, like a yeah. porno star sheriff as a, a chief justice <laughs> or as a Supreme Court justice. That was a weird plot point for me. Like, why is she so actively insane this president i would have maybe bought if she was like a more conventional president that would have been maybe a little more effective if she comes off as making like your typical blunders and your you know your typical run-of-the-mill president and that's how any president would respond is as if the end of the world is just another piece of their agenda well you're trying to outdo trump you're trying to out uh insane trump and i don't it just comes off looking and i don't want to hear any like idiocracy comparisons because if this is a satire on how our, our society would handle it it got way too cartoony where she had a back tattoo and yeah she's doing all these like the she's sexting trump and i'm like no like let's i i, I just it, it got too hyperbolic or too exaggerated and funny i like jonah i like it when jonah hill played that character in this is the end I found out like, but there, like this, there are some scenes that just went on too long and you could see them improvising a little bit. Not that I'm against it completely, but you could see them just like, quote unquote, winging it. And I'm like, cut this, cut this, this movie. We're at like an hour 40, 50 already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause the most of the characters are pretty grating on purpose, but you keep getting the same sort of yeah, there, there, there's no more dimension to them that even like the hosts, uh, you know, Kate Blanchett and Tyler Perry keep going back to that show and we get it. They're these annoying hosts who make these terrible jokes and are basically fighting for airtime to talk over each other. But that's established the first time they go there. And again, I would have liked to see them explore other aspects of uh, like the media world there. They didn't really that those two characters were not like a reflection of the whole industry they were they're just one very specific part so i thought that was a missed opportunity dr mindy is a tenured professor of astronomy at michigan state i'm sorry did you say michigan state exactly they have an excellent astronomy department <laughs> you say so you want to see my sat scores i'm sorry who is she are you her son i'm chief of staff boy with the dragon tattoo so i'm doing fine how many tampons can you fit in that bag as many as i want at this very moment, I say we sit tight and assess. Sit tight and assess. Sit tight and, and assess. You want us to sit tight. And then assess. I felt like I was in the wrong, uh, or like I had to step back a second, because even when I watched it the first time, uh, I was reading all the reviews and Reddit's, all the audience reviews, and I'm just like, Am I missing something? Like, if there, because there are people that really enjoyed it. And then when I actually started talking to people who have seen it, it's, and I saw this a lot in the audience reviews. There are people out there who like it, but even the positive reviews are like, I like it, even though I know it's this, or I like it, but like I was talking to a friend today and I said, he was, it was, you know, Shout out to Johnny Del Luna. I was talking to him and he's like, oh, uh, what movie are you guys doing? I said, don't look up. And he's like, I liked it 
even though it was a little bit heavy handed, I didn't, and this is unprompted by me. So I'm like, it, so it does sound like a movie that I just don't, I, I don't see how I, 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 and this is with much love from Adam McKay. Like, I, I don't see how I can go back to this. It does seem like a bit, it does seem like it's trying to be a little too clever. Yeah. It's trying hard. It's just trying very, very hard. And I get that too with liking it, but da da da. Like it's almost as if positive score, but with an asterisk. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, there are these. We have we have notes, even though we liked it fine. Like, I I liked it fine. I like it mostly for the performances of the lead two characters. Of I find Jennifer Lawrence to be pretty compelling in this as someone losing her mind. She's like the one sane person really, and like Leonardo DiCaprio's character too. I kind of like his arc of how he does get kind of suckered in by you know the glamour of being like oh like the sexy scientist and then he eventually also loses his mind uh so i i thought they had some good arcs and all um but it was just frustrating because you don't really um yeah you just you're watching this struggle and it's you know it's in a satire you're not going to have like a happy ending or anything but they made the characters who do win the characters who escape and go off into another planet they were like you know we kind of get a hinted comeuppance but not a satisfying one like what the the um, the steve jobs type character like the Ur- what was the character's name it was like Ur- it is not gonna look it up hold on peter isherwell and that performance was interesting he was playing this very scary hybrid character of like a Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs, and I don't know. I guess he he held so he was like the most powerful character in the movie. I guess this movie is suggesting that like a, a these these billionaire CEOs are more powerful than say the president, which is like probably true. But even like he has the president whipped in the one scene where he's like yelling at her and stuff like that. He was so ego maniacal that it was forcing the point and i was i was not enjoying that satire i was just put off by the performance yeah uh it's funny because like adam mckay and the person who he created who created uh david sirota like they they're both like left-leaning but anti-establishment um that's where their policies lie so i'm like getting you know you're obviously getting like bezos musk vibes from him but i kept saying to myself and this mark rylance is an amazing actor i this movie didn't need like a comic a comic book cartoon villain it need like he was a villain like he was the bad guy a, I mean, it's his fault <laughs> like he stops the mission that would have saved the world because he's like no we can make money but you, i mean you could even attempt to do that I, there's so many angles that you could go with this this kind of story but you know in terms of the many like this is us versus ourselves this is us versus nature this is us versus institutions us like bureaucracy is kind versus, of the main versus vil- society like i don't think this movie needed uh i mean you could have a character like this in this movie maybe not him be so like you know you're gonna die by a whatever alien i don't know what that is and then yeah the payoff was like it, that's oh, where well, I see, was that like, was I'm weird out, i'm out especially the post credit that- scene which completely confirms my yeah. Saturday morning cartoonness of it all. Well, yeah, because he's like, 
the the Ishrael character, he establishes that they have algorithms that can predict how you die. But okay, maybe how you would die naturally if say you're prone to you know heart disease or whatever. But no, his algorithm can predict the future because in the mid credit scene, like we're saying, the Meryl Streep character, the president, gets killed by like an alien bird on whatever alien planet they land on, and his algorithm was able to predict that. How? <laughs> You're, like these these algorithms can like predict the future, but they also cannot predict that their plan to mine this comet would fail and lead into the destruction of the human race. You know, like that, like was. Uh, I guess that's like a nitpick, but at the same time, like that joke doesn't really add up or make any sense. I, I, a lot of my like, usually with a movie like this, I'm going like, oh, maybe I would have done this. And I mean, I want to say like, wouldn't it have been better if they just got like stranded out in space? Uh, yeah, that would have been better. I mean, you know, uh, I guess at the end, the the it is they're all going to be they're all about to be hunted down by these ostrich alien creatures. Sure. But yeah, my. Like my main criticisms with this movie are like, like not like, I actually didn't mind the ending. I think it, uh, like I know some people who even like the movie didn't care for the ending, but I'm like that's the point that he's trying to make. But I, I thought, like outside of it being heavy, heavy-handed, I thought the humor was too broad and too, when I thought it was being clever, it was actually being lazy and using turning people into straw mans where it should have been i don't know after watching like veep uh all last year like i would have loved it if like armando anucci tackled something like this where everyone is a little bit stupid everyone's trying to do bureaucracy uh everyone's trying to, like bureaucracy keeps getting in the way of us trying to stop this but i it was just also too long like i no. Well, you know, one thing I first I liked, but then started getting on my nerves is how this movie has a lot of um, kind of like in between scenes. So like in an older apocalyptic movie, like in A Day After Tomorrow or something, you don't see the scientists waiting in the lobby of the White House to talk to the president. You just cut to them talking to the president. Like this movie has a lot of those scenes before the action where the characters are reflecting and talking about what's going to happen or trying to wrap their brains around all the insanity. And I kind of like that a little bit in the beginning, but they were doing that so much that it's like, all right, it's a, I already know how they feel. You re, you already established that we don't need to keep going back to that. You know, it, it's um, something they dwelled on a little too much. And in terms yeah. of this, this movie thinking it's clever, you know, there were also some visual things that I caught that were like, okay, like I get it. For example, there's a shot of Meryl Streep smoking in front of a tank that says flammable. And there's like a lot of stuff like that too, where the movie is like, ooh, like, did you catch that? It's like, yes, yes, I caught that. Very nice. But like, what are you trying to say? Like, she's an idiot? Like, okay, I got that already. I I just like, I've seen people in comments go like, but this is, this is how we would react to this. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's to not. a degree. I mean, like there's some, you know, there, I get that there would be like people denying, like, Oh, the comments a conspiracy. I get that people would, um, you know, like to pretend that it wasn't happening and they would still be more interested or 
and maybe it's just as a distraction, be interested more in celebrity gossip or whatever else, uh, you know, to a degree. Um, I, yeah, but the, the idea of, I don't know, I just couldn't even buy the don't looking up aspect of it. Or just like, I, I, I don't mind the mess the of like information getting messy. I, I, I actually agree with that. And I think it would make things, uh, I mean, it, it, look at the world today. It's making things complicated. I just, something that's so basic as like a, an asteroid about to hit the earth don't look up. I, I don't know. It it just went to so, uh, like I I unbelievable lengths in terms of like. I I'm still gonna think back to like a Saturday morning cartoon when it should be hard hitting satire, which is what he's done. <laughs> he's done it before, even in the right, other right. guys. Really? Even in the other guys, it ends on a it ends with such a great satirical note that always sticks with me. So that's why it's more of like a disappointment where if like uh, where you want to take take our anxieties uh, over climate change and also I think now COVID with I think that was thrown into the mix as well. I just feel like it was um, first draft rushed out. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you were mentioning before too about how. Adam McKay has a very clear uh, political stance. You know, he's anti-authoritarian, but he's also left-leaning. You definitely get a sense of that, too, where not only does he like to really admonish people on the right, but he also likes to admonish people in the middle. Like, there was the one joke where I think it was – was it Chris Evans? I, see, I, wearing... I like that. I like that. That was – Coming from his perspective, I that made me laugh, like, up and down, like – He had the up and down – but that seemed to be a shot at people who are trying to bring people together. You know, and again, like sometimes it can be articulated in nonsensical ways, but that was a real hit on like, no, no, like we are right and they are wrong and you shouldn't compromise or come together. It's like, okay, in like in the event of an asteroid about to hit the earth, sure, yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, but, you know, in terms of, I don't know more like it, it's 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 a little too angry for me to t totally on board with to like admonish even people who just want everyone to get along. I don't have a problem. I mean, as someone who likes to write, I have no problem like putting your anger on the on the screen, even like however you feel about someone, uh, a creator's politics. I thought that was a pretty good joke. And like I. I think for me, it's just, I feel like we're past and, and you know, at me, even though I, I'm not on Twitter, at me, if you disagree, but I feel like there's a lot of people, or in 2022, we're at, we're past the point of believing whether climate change is real or not, and just kind of, I think we just disagree on the solutions to it, and I, I think that, I, I don't know, I think if you focused more on that i it would have been on board as opposed to like not looking up or down even though i like the chris evan jokes uh it was just uh well that was too literal right like literally do not look up the government wants you to look down like as if the government wants you to bury, bury your head in the sand that was very again on the nose 
heavy-handed. Like, they are actually not looking up at the sky, and the first guy who does look up at the sky is like, oh, crap, it's, it is it is right there. All I had to do was look up, literally look up into the sky to see that there actually was a comet about to kill us all. And, again, that's, that's so literal that it's, I wish they came up with something a little more clever. Okay. okay. Um, well, it's, um, you know, just something we do around here. You know, we just keep the bad news light. Right. It helps the medicine go down. And speaking of medicine, tomorrow we've got a two Well, maybe the destruction of the entire planet isn't supposed to be fun. Maybe it's supposed to be terrifying and unsettling. Oh, please don't do that. And you should stay up please. all night, every night, crying when we're all 100% for sure gonna fucking die! Like, you know, when it, when it comes to, like, satires that I do enjoy, you know, I think back and, I like, take, take a movie like Network that really dissects media. And maybe that one works a little better, too, because it's a little more focused, not trying to tackle everything, just media. But that movie starts off very grounded in how things worked at the time and then progressively gets more absurd as it goes along but then by the end it takes you right back to a more normal reaction to something and i feel like that that really that really works because it shows you the slower transition into what's possible when you the slippery slope into insanity where this one it's like you're diving head first into the pool of insanity and you're just like left with this big rush and, and shock of like whoa 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 like it was so drastic of a change that I find that distracting and it takes away from the messages they're trying to get across. Uh, I think one movie that it's been compared to the most has been Dr. Strangelove. And yeah, I got that, especially with the screaming. There's a lot of yelling that I feel like was trying to tap into Dr. Strangelove. Well, the th I mean, the difference is, though, with Dr. Strangelove and what makes Dr. Strangelove work is, like, look, you're not going to have the creative characters of uh, Peter Sellers. You're not going to have Dr. Strangelove. And I probably would not have liked that, a character like that in this movie, but I'm not putting all my chips into even that sentence. And it would have to be done really right. But I don't think for this movie it would have worked. But it's also divided into three stories, and it has even, like, a prologue of the plane and uh you know it's you know yeah you got the military you got the the boardroom and you got the what's going on on the plane i it's kind of focused in its satire of nuclear war abominate uh and it also has a downer ending uh oh so yeah i like i i'm so i didn't care for i i thought uh leo and jennifer lawrence's characters were they did have arcs, but I thought they were kind of wrapped up. They like it, like it's, scenes really happened for like their character development was almost like an afterthought. And it's like, okay, we have to put in uh, Melanie Linsky uh, uh, cheating on, and then they're back together. I can't even remember Jennifer Lawrence's character arc. I just feel like they like what you're watching is Jennifer Lawrence with a wig and Leonardo DiCaprio, who is dedicated to a cause like this. And because a lot of, uh, there aren't really characters to attach, uh, there's aren't really characters to this to get invested yeah. in. I, I, 
I do think, yeah, maybe at the end things get reconciled pretty quickly for the characters. Like Leo, his wife takes him back right away. And he is also able to see reconcile with Jennifer Lawrence after basically leaving her behind. But at the same time, I just played devil's advocate. You know, it's like, oh, it's the end of the world. So, you know what? Like, let's just, for, let's just have this evening. None of this matters anymore. So let's just have one last evening together, which is like the one scene that that's like that had the most human element yes. to it. It's like, okay, what would you do if the world was ending? Honestly, that's probably what I would do. Just spend time with family and just try to have one last nice evening together and then just hold hands as you're about to be blown into dust. Jonah Hill survived, which I'm still confused, but they were how? they were yeah, yeah, how? I guess it, like just they for, just filmed it on the for day. The joke. They filmed it on just for yeah. the joke. He, his phone uh, still works too, and he's able to like post, which I, again I don't know how if you know, all the infrastructure is destroyed. I I did like you let you let I, him run wild on set and ju- like he's gonna do what he can to you know he's gonna get the best laugh. Honestly, like I like Jonah Hill a lot, but anytime a movie wants to have a sort of cynical edge to it, you always see either Jonah Hill or Seth Rogen in there. And those are like the de facto guys for that. And yeah, props to them for establishing themselves as those go-to actors when you want to add that sort of flair. But again, you see them in those films. Whenever they pop up, you know what they're going to add to the film. And so I wish they weren't so pigeonholed, number one. And number two, I feel like there are other actors you could bring in as well to add that tone. I know why they had uh, Rob Morgan's character, who was the other scientist, and that's an actor who I'm always delighted. I'm I'm excited to see his char- character actor star rising. Like he always improves uh, a a movie or a television show for me. Uh, I but if he's supposed to be like I don't want to say the mo of this Larry and Curly, like they're all level headed. They're all kind of in the right, and I. And when a cat, like when you have a trio that's all in the right, there, you know, you don't have a straight man. You don't have, like, I kept saying, like, why is this character here to some extent? Like, either what like, does he add? He's what does he add? No, he's adding like exposition. He's adding, like, we know that uh, a program like this exists, but then he'll go away, and then he'll come back, and then he'll well, go away for a while, and he'll come back. Did they explain why he wasn't spending that last night with his own family? Like, he, he was spending it oh, with... Oh, God, no. See, <laughs> I, I always think, like, doesn't this guy have other people he'd rather spend his last moments with? He's just going to spend it with the main characters? And I, I didn't really understand that. I also thought that the Timothée Chalamet character was maybe kind of an afterthought. I saw him in the opening credits, right? You see his name there. And then I forgot he was in it. And then they introduce him maybe two-thirds of the way through as this new love interest for Jennifer Lawrence. And I'm like, what is even the point of that? I, I just, again, I thought he was the character that didn't really add anything. Or, like, what what was the point of this character? Why put him in there? I am, I, my theory is that someone watched him host SNL and said, this guy's a goofy-looking guy. Is he free? And he ended up being free. No, his, he, he was a goofy-looking guy on that show. He, well, like, no, you see, like... There's some standout bits there. 
but with, I th- uh, with yeah. Chalamet, I thought it was more just because he's really big right now. You know, he was in Dune. That he, too. You know, he's in all these big things now. He's he's blowing up as an actor, and so I thought, okay, like, like you know, get him in there. We want all the biggest stars in this movie. You know, you're go- if you're gonna cast, you know, DiCaprio, Streep, Lawrence Hill, like you're clearly going for just a swab of a-listers you even get ariana grande in there who also has been uh slowly dipping her toes into the acting pool so yeah it's a it's a movie that's trying to pride itself on big names and sometimes as you see in a lot of big ensemble movies they throw in an actor for his name or her name without really giving them anything to do I think he did well with what he. I think he did well for what his character was, but I don't I, think he should have. I, I would have only appreciated him at the grocery store. I yeah, thought that made me laugh. A cameo. I think that would have worked a lot better yes. is just that one scene, like him and his friends are like anarchists, and it's like, it's the end of the world, we're not going to pay, bye. And, I, and Jennifer Lawrence is like, yeah, fair. Okay, nice appearance. And you get other. Get a bunch of other cameos of people who are doing stuff like that like other one-off reactions of how people are handling the end of the world that would have been interesting i i wish this movie was like if this movie was going to focus on just jennifer lawrence leo you have to make rob morgan also a main character or even more of a main character and just the the people that they meet along the way in terms of like, don't go back to Streep or Jonah Hill. Don't go back to Kate Blanchett or Tyler Perry. Because, like, I always thought their introductions were fun. Like, I, Tyler Perry and Kate Blanchett were funny in the beginning. But I, I would have... Once again, Adam McKay has done those short cameos with big and B and C-list stars that I'm kind of shocked that it, they became more than that. I don't know. It would have, like... If they were going to go on a media tour, this could have been a really star-filled funny funny and hard-hitting movie yeah oh for sure i mean you could have had just all these scenes like one and done characters right like just the one scene with streep and hill when they go to the white house and they get a big um you know they get turned around from there and then you go on all these shows you know what i mean like you go through all these different uh places and then in each place you meet like another big star who has their moment that that could have been a little more interesting um, and, and it's not about, you know, I mean, you can have your cake and eat it too. It could be about like, like who the cameo is while also making the scene like satirically worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Like make your point about, you know, X, then move yeah. on to Y. Now, I know a lot of Hollywood is supporting the Just Look Up movement, mm. but I haven't seen a pin like that. Yeah. Yeah. This pin... This pinpoints both up and down. Because I think as a country, we need to stop arguing and, and, and virtue signaling. Just get along. That is so refreshing. Mm. I think we're all tired of the politics. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's why we made Total Devastation. It's for everyone. You know, it's a popcorn movie. You know, you know what actually was a weird moment I noticed? Because uh, there's a lot of scenes of people on their phones, flipping through TV channels, consuming all this media, da-da-da. There was a moment when someone was watching the Netflix TV show Too Hot to Handle. 
Did you notice that? I, I was on that show. No, so I, <laughs> uh, uh, no. Uh, Do you wish? Maybe I. Yeah. I picked that uh, up because Eric watches that show, and the the little like ringing sound of the host's uh, smart device thing, uh, da da da, whenever it comes up and yells at the contestants, that sound was made. It was like unmistakable for me, and I was like. That's weird that a Netflix movie would have characters watching a Netflix show. Just, I don't know, a little a little gripe there for me. I, I thought it was a little bit of a shameless synergy moment. Like, if this was done, like, I, you, in the notes you gave me, this was originally, like, a Paramount project, but Netflix picked it up. Like, if this was... If this was an Amazon Prime movie, would there be a scene of someone watching Marvelous Miss Maisel? Like, you know what I mean? Is this in an age of all this selfless uh, self-promotion? I wonder if the... Shameless self-promotion, I should say. I wonder if it was an Amazon project, how much that Mark Rylance character would have been trimmed down or at least, like, shifted. Like, it's like Oh, okay, that's true. Make it more of a Musk character than a Bezos. Uh, take a uh, shot at a different at a different mogul. I was reading that. Uh, I was reading about like did, Paramount did not make this right. It was purely a Netflix film, according to the notes you sent me. So if we're wrong, you're okay. responsible. <laughs> okay, I know. I wanted to. I I read that and I just wanted to say it out loud and confirm it. I really kind of think Paramount in this case. I'm curious if they would have had their notes and it's like, ah, oh, this could be a little. You know, maybe we got to do some reshoots like because, you know, we're putting it out in theaters. Uh, I'm curious what what that movie would have been like, because I think Netflix is Netflix's motto for better, for worse is put it out there. Like half the people who watch The Irishman didn't finish it. We don't care. Put it out there. That's their motto. It's a long motto, but I got a sense of that watching this movie. It's like advocate. Do your thing. We have all these stars. And we're doing a lot of very, uh, you know, relevant, relatable touchstones of the state we're living in. So that's enough to get everyone in. Because as as you also put in the notes, which again you're responsible for, uh, <laughs> um, this was this immediately became like the third most watched Netflix movie in yeah. in this in history. So I I can buy that. Although it always seems like every year they're breaking their own records with. You know, different TV shows and movies. So I think they're always just gonna keep one upping themselves. I'm always curious uh, about the numbers, though. Little, like, little tiny Netflix rant. They don't release, like, they have their own numbers of, like, people who did watch the movie, people who stopped watching the movie, how people watch the movie. Like, uh, like, when they say, like, 80 million people watched this movie over the weekend, that's like a YouTube thing. Like, oh, I clicked on the movie, but I didn't even wa finish it. But the click still counts. Yeah, the metric is kind of fuzzy, but uh, up to like, yeah, does is just pressing play enough to count as a view, or do you have to have watched at least a minute or two minutes to count as a view? And then you also have something like called a view through rate, where you know you basically average on average how much the movie was watched. Because you know, of all the people who watched it all the way through, other people who just stopped five or ten minutes in, and somewhere in between. You know that's that's all a bit fuzzy. And although I'm kind of shocked uh, that, like, I feel like a movie like this. I'm not gonna maybe say this movie particularly, but a movie like 
if it went with Paramount, at, even with Adam McKay's name on it, that I think that would have done pretty well. COVID aside, let's take COVID out of the mix. I think it would have done pretty well in theaters because I think Vice did well, Big Short did well. Of course, the comedies did well. I think uh, I know streaming is kind of where our, we go for our mid-level mid-level comedies now. But Adam McKay never struck me as a mid-level comedian or uh, uh, even a mid-level satirist. Like I think this movie would have done pretty well in theaters. Oh yeah, he's he. I think he's one of those directors now. I mean, not everyone might know offhand that Adam McKay is the director of all those Will Ferrell movies. You know, like obviously people who talk about movies a lot would know that. But yeah, his movies were always very watchable, marketable. They're they're like safe bets. And yeah, if this in in a non COVID world where this is released, probably released uh you know, around the time other Oscar movies are released, you know, late fall, around the holidays maybe big ensemble cast yeah probably makes a lot of money and again also like a movie that gets a lot of buzz for the topics that no. is that are tackled last question i have for you uh were you at all surprised by the score both scores you know i did think that this would be something skewing higher with audiences than critics because I think critics are a little more well-versed in satire. I think audiences, again, I don't want to say that audiences aren't as smart as critics. I do think that for audiences, if as long as it's funny, because it, it did have a lot of funny moments in it, I will give it that. They like ensembles, they like actors, they like these, these um, yeah, a, a large group of A-listers coming together. But I think for critics, they one thing critics really don't like is when uh, a, a director repeats things they've done before that is okay. like and and so yeah i think the kind of tone he's going for in this movie he did way better in the big short i thought that was like a much more uh efficient movie uh, yes. it was done more economically if that makes sense like it's a tighter movie it's it's sharper basically this movie feels too messy and the big shorts seem to be like very um, focused. Okay. No. Wow. That that kicks the ass out of my even. Not that I had an answer. I just thought uh, with all the reasons I was seeing the audience, like I liked it, but I liked it even though. And I thought critics would be like, "This is our first disaster comedy about global warming. We need to talk about this." I was kind of like, to I was kind of surprised at first to see uh them go to see the reviews that i was reading although uh i guess i'll like i'm curious to see and i'll never get data on this the age group of how people scored i feel okay, like younger yeah. people younger people people our age definitely probably rated this higher than gen xers and uh older people I'm, no you I'm, see i disagree i think older people probably like this better than the younger people because i feel like older people are the are ones who are more likely to say, oh, like kids these days, always on the phone, obsessed with social media, all these things. And I feel like they would be more likely to like this movie because they probably identify with the perspective more. Whereas younger people, I feel like younger people these days are way more self-aware and it's way harder to 
say something satirical or just make a political statement that they don't already know that is a fresh take for them. Because if you try to say something like, oh, like, end of the world, but, like, whatever, hashtag, blah, 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 young people are going to be like, yeah, we know. We know we're like that. We know that we'd be prone to this kind of stuff. We get it. So oh, that is okay. my... Interesting. I, interesting. There's there's nothing about. I think a young person would see this, still enjoy it, like a Gen Z person, but they might get annoyed because they might be feeling like they're getting their dad's perspective on things. Oh, okay. I see. I took it as like this movie's taking, and just from what I read, millennials and younger people's anxiety about this crisis and just kind of using it cathartic like finding a cathartic way to laugh about it like i could be wrong but we'll never know viewers at home what do you think <laughs> we could do i guess our own research now nah, uh, that's okay we'll like use third-party data but yeah no that's that's a good question uh i i think it's probably a mix of both of our answers you know, maybe you're right there younger people definitely have much more anxiety about uh climate change and more of the under underlying themes of the movie whereas older people more identify with the tone and the 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 jabs at the the youth culture hmm. yeah good times had by all <laughs> <laughs> but then you know, i think it's a mixed bag for both sides yeah. as well um good times are had by all nothing's better than homemade right this coffee doesn't doesn't taste store-bought is it i I grind my own beans, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a coffee nut. Are you serious? Every time you have coffee, you have to grind your beans? Yeah, Randall is, is very particular about his coffee. I can get that way about tea. The thing of it is, is we, we really... We really did have everything, didn't we? I mean, when you think about it. Okay. Um, all right, so do you want to get into our yeah. uh, our scores? Okay, so what let's, what would your percentage score be on uh, Don't Look Up? Don't Look Up my score? Uh, no, uh, I <laughs> I think I'm still going to think that like I watched this movie twice, once on an initial viewing and second because I have a podcast about films like this. Uh, I don't see myself watching it again. And I think I want to say or I want to take a guess, no matter what party you belong to, even though you enjoyed even if you enjoyed the film, I still don't think you're going to go back and watch it. I proved me wrong. I'm sure there are some people out there that uh, love this film. It's their favorite. And hey, that's great. Uh, but I'm going to give it a 50. OK, yeah, I agree. It's not very rewatchable mostly because you know the characters are mostly very unlikable which is common in a satire you're supposed to be having these um caricatures of real life archetypes and that's the point but ultimately i felt like a lot of times this movie was talking down to me and you know i had some laughs for sure also got a lot of those signature adam mckay type of edits like the hard cut right like the middle of an intense sequence with music and stuff then cut to something else that's totally different you know like that happened a lot in this movie oh yeah that's what i get yeah that's what he's known for 
you know, the hard cut. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm feeling a 60%. Just because, you know, it's serviceable. I think it's it barely passes. And, and um, yeah, minus, minus the most points for what it could have been. Yeah, no, and just because we feel the way we do, and I've seen this criticism out there, just be, like we're not critiquing the overall themes of this movie, which I think we can both agree on. I think we're critiquing the movie itself and the story structure and everything that goes along with it. Because I've seen the criticism that if you do not like this movie, you are a climate denier. And I'm like, no, that's, oh boy. that's not, no, that's like, I hate, like, even though this is a political movie, I hate that kind of politics going into a film. <laughs> like, it's so... I've never... I, it's so I'm absurd. never a fan... I'm never a fan of someone saying, oh, because you'd like or dislike this movie, you must be this sort of person on the political spectrum. I, I, I hate that. A part of me wants to be like, oh, if someone liked the movie, a young person liked the movie, you're, you, you didn't like this because you didn't get it. You're a climate denier. It's like, okay, maybe, you know... Yeah, for the re- for the record, I like the idea of this movie. If you do the elevator pitch, like, oh, what if in this day and age the world is about to end, but you are getting all the same bullcrap you normally do? Like, what would it take for people to get out of their bureaucracy, their phones, their normal day to day bullcrap? Not even an asteroid could do that. The elevator I, pitch was like, exciting. I read when I read it. I like, I I like that idea. It just could be executed better and more in a more poignant way but yeah so uh i could do the math it's a 55 (laughs) percent so um that means that we are very close we are actually right spot on with the critics so uh on don't look up we are siding with the critics you don't often maybe it's more often than you think that a movie nominated for best picture has a rotten score on Rotten Tomatoes. And not that Rotten Tomatoes is like the end all be all, but that is also like an interesting disparity. Like critics themselves are split 50 50 almost, but yet the Academy granted it a nomination. I'll give, I mean, I'll give this movie some credit. It probably holds more. It's probably been talked about more in the zeitgeist than the other nominees. Like, I don't know anyone. I Look, I saw Power of the Dog twice. I don't know anyone talking about Power of the Dog. <laughs> like, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the new West Side Story, personally. No one's talking uh, about that I, either, and it was great. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's true. I mean, there, there, I guess there is something to be said. But, I mean, it's easy to get people talking about something when you're talking about the most relevant issues at hand, and you have the biggest stars portraying them so um that it has an advantage just by its own very nature well it is like i mean his other movies have been nominated and won oscars uh but i like i think the oscars are upset that or people are upset that uh the oscars didn't nominate no way home (laughs) so and they had to rearrange this whole like you get to vote in so that's where the oscars is at uh but i remember then they almost they almost decided to have like a box office category pre-COVID. They were like best best uh, blockbuster category or something to try to be a little more commercial. But yeah. it's like, how do you even assess that? Like the most commercially appealing movie? Look, the Oscar what makes even some, is that? Oscars make some stupid decisions, but I don't think appealing, trying to do stuff like that is just like, 
I don't think No Way Home or like can we be realistic? It's a great film. I enjoyed it, but can we be like can we give other movies, smaller movies, a chance? Coda. Go see Coda, people. It was excellent. Uh, that's a that's a fair point. Give other movies their their time to shine. Also, we've always said time is the best judge. So just because a movie is the most talked about right now, will Don't Look Up be the most talked about movie of this year 10 years from now? Will people go back to it? Like we said, probably not. There will probably be other movies from 2021, I should say that people will go back to and remember more than this because by, again, by its very nature, it is rooted in this, it's like a snapshot or trying to be of the current times. Doesn't necessarily age as well or is as relevant down the line. Like yeah. you can go back to Step Brothers because it's just like a silly comedy that has broad appeal, right? Like you make another move, you know, that's, that's just how it goes. And you can so go we'll back see. to we'll, the big we'll... short in the way you want to rewatch a documentary. That's how, like, right? It's like a docudrama, right? And yeah. it's 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 um, tackling issues in that that are kind of more universally systemic issues that are still relevant to this day, actually, just because it's an institutional um, issue they were tackling there. Um, but until then, uh, another great discussion, Keith, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. Look out for more divided films soon, and don't look up. Mm-hmm.